In February of 2022, President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine went from a relatively obscure world leader known only for his involvement in Donald Trump's first impeachment to a household name and hero in the Western world. This was, of course, a result of the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. This invasion has been widely condemned within the West, and as a fierce opponent of Vladimir Putin's irredentist ambitions, Zelensky has come into the spotlight. Additionally, Zelensky has become a symbol of the apparent absurdity of the waging of a war supposedly motivated by denazification against a nation led by a Jewish president. Vladimir Zelensky is one of six Jewish incumbent heads of state or government in the world, the others being Panamanian President Laurentino Cortizo, Latvian President Egils Levitz, Russian Prime Minister Mikhail Mishushtin, Israeli President Isaac Herzog, and Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, who went to elementary school in Paramus, New Jersey. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Israel is the only nation in the world that currently has a Jewish head of state serving alongside a Jewish head of government. However, Ukraine also briefly fell into this category from May of 2019 to August of 2019, when Vladimir Zelensky shared power with Prime Minister Vladimir Groisman. The first Jewish head of state in the modern world was Salvadorian President Juan Lindo, while the first Jewish head of government was British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli. The United Kingdom is interesting in that, despite having the fifth highest Jewish population in the world, it has only had one Jewish leader. Perhaps even more interesting, though, is that Canada, which has the fourth highest Jewish population in the world, has never had a Jewish leader. By contrast, France, which has the third highest Jewish population in the world, has had nine leaders known to have Jewish ancestry, the most of any country besides Israel. And then there's the United States, believed to have roughly 51% of the world's ethnically Jewish population. In spite of this, there has never been a Jewish president. The closest an American Jew has ever come to becoming president was Barry Goldwater, the 1964 Republican presidential campaign who was of partial Jewish ancestry, who was also trounced in the general election by Democrat Lyndon B. Johnson. However, just because an American Jew has never become president of the U.S. does not mean that an American Jew has never become a president. Guyana, as a country, does not have many Jewish people. There are an estimated 40 Jews in Guyana, almost the entirety of whom are concentrated within Georgetown, the capital city. Reports of anti-Semitism in Guyana are essentially non-existent, but there is also not a single synagogue within the country. The largest religion in Guyana, practiced by 64% of the population, is Christianity. Almost 35% of Guyanese people are mainline Protestants, mainly Pentecostal, over 7% are Catholics, and another 22% practice other Christian denominations, including Evangelical Protestants, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Mormons. After Christianity, the second largest religion in Guyana is Hinduism, observed by almost 25% of Guyanese. This makes Guyana the country with the highest percentage of Hindus in the Western Hemisphere. Almost 7% of Guyanese are Muslims, including the incumbent president of Guyana, Muhammad Irfan Ali. 
Under 3% practice other religions, while the remaining 3% are atheist, agnostic, or irreligious, giving Guyana one of the lowest rates of irreligion in the world. The religious demographics of Guyana are largely correlated with the nation's ethnic demographics. Almost 40% of Guyanese are Indian, generally descended from indentured laborers brought to Guyana from Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, and Jharkhand by the British. Around 30% of Guyanese are of black African descent, with the overwhelming majority being descended from slaves. Just over 10% are of indigenous or Native American descent, primarily Arawak, Waiwai, Carib, Akawayo, and Aracuna. The remaining 20% of Guyanese are of mixed race ancestry, with the largest mixed group being the Dugla, who are of both black and Indian descent. Additionally, Roughly half a percent of Guyanese are of Chinese or white European ancestry, with the overwhelming majority of whites in Guyana being Portuguese. So yeah, that's a lot of people who are not Jewish. Yet, it was still possible for an American Jew, a woman no less, to rise to the most powerful position in the Guyanese government due to her tireless cooperation with an Indo-Guyanese man, her husband. I'm going to tell you all about her, right now, on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 63rd episode of this podcast, and I truly can't believe we've come this far. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Janet Rosalie Rosenberg was born on October 20, 1920, in Chicago, Illinois. Her parents were Jewish, and her grandparents had emigrated from Hungary and Romania. As a child, Janet was known for her affinity for her athletics and academics alike. When Janet was a teenager, however, the Great Depression hit Chicago. Janet's father lost her job, and the Rosenberg family moved to Detroit, Michigan, in the hopes of finding work. After graduating high school, Janet enrolled at Wayne State University in Detroit, where she was first exposed to progressive economic and political beliefs, including socialism and communism. It was also around this time that she began to take flying lessons, with her brother Jim later writing that Janet had piloted a plane solo before her parents even let her drive the family car, When the United States entered World War II in 1941, Janet sought to assist the war effort somehow, and as a young woman in the early 20th century, that meant becoming a nurse. She moved back to Chicago and enrolled at Cook County Nursing School. Simultaneously, Chetty Jagan, a young Indo-Guyanese graduate of Howard University, 
was to soon graduate from dental school at Northwestern University. In December of 1942, Chetty and Janet met at a college Christmas party. Less than a year later, they were married. The Rosenberg family reportedly disapproved of the marriage, as Janet's father reportedly claimed that he would shoot his son-in-law on sight if the two ever met again, and Janet's great-grandmother suffered a fatal stroke after learning of the relationship. Eventually, the couple was able to reconcile with the Rosenberg family. Still, against the wishes of the Rosenbergs, Janet and Chetty moved to Georgetown, British Guyana in December of 1943. After moving to Georgetown, Chetty Jagan established his own dental practice, while his wife Janet worked as a nurse at the practice. Janet held this job for 10 years while also dipping her foot into the political world of Guyana. Shortly after emigrating, Janet joined the British Guyanese Labor Union, a left-wing political party led by Afro-Guyanese politician Forbes Burnham. Janet is also speculated to have influenced her husband's shift to the political left during this time, although both Janet and Chetty Jagan denied this. Regardless, the couple did not remain in the party for long, as they were disenchanted by Burnham's reported black nationalism and disdain for white and Indo-Guyanese people. In 1946, Janet Jagan founded the Political Affairs Committee, a multi-ethnic political party that promoted democratic socialism, gender equality, and independence from British rule. She ran for Georgetown's seat in the National Assembly in 1947, but lost in the general election. In 1950, Janet and Chetty Jagan temporarily mended ties with Forbes Burnham, seeing their desire for independence from the United Kingdom as a common goal. The Political Affairs Committee was merged with the British Guyanese Labor Union, establishing the People's Progressive Party, a Marxist-Leninist political party. In 1953, Janet Jagan was elected to the National Assembly, while her husband Chetty was elected Chief Minister of British Guyana. However, the socialist beliefs of the couple were a concern for British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who feared that the two harbored sympathies for the Soviet Union and would give the USSR a foothold in South America. In reality, the Jagans held no such sympathies, with both detesting the totalitarian communism espoused by Joseph Stalin. Still, the threat of a communist revolution in Guyana was enough of a reason for Churchill to deploy troops. Janet and Chetty Dagan were arrested and forced to resign from their respective positions. The two were imprisoned for five months and spent an additional two years under house arrest, while back in the UK, Parliament rewrote the Constitution of British Guyana, legally mandating that the couple never hold political office again. In 1957, Forbes Burnham once again split with the Jagans, leaving the People's Progressive Party to establish the People's National Congress. This political party also espoused socialism, 
but in contrast to the PPP's commitment to multiculturalism, the PNC promoted black nationalism and Afrocentrism. This caused an ethnic divide among the Guyanese people, with black voters primarily supporting the PNC and Indian voters almost exclusively supporting the PPP. Since there were far more Indians than black people in Guyana at the time, this meant a decade of PPP victories, even without Janet or Chetty Jagan at the helm of the party. The British once again caught wind of this, and in spite of the PNC's black nationalism, British Prime Minister Harold Wilson threw the nation's support behind the PNC in the late 1960s, as the party was generally perceived to be more economically moderate than the PPP. The British even agreed to grant independence to Guyana, but only under the stipulation that the PNC retain political power. Burnham couldn't turn down this offer, and in 1970, Guyana became an independent republic. For the next 22 years, Guyana was effectively a one-party state, with Burnham initially serving as prime minister, while the popular independent Chinese-Guyanese politician Arthur Chung served as president in a figurehead role. One of Burnham's most notorious executive acts was the National Security Act, which allowed police to search anyone at any time for any reason. In 1980, Burnham was elected, with heavy air quotes, to the office of president, which he held until his death in 1985. Burnham loyalist Desmond Hoyt succeeded him, and in 1992, Hoyt agreed to return free and fair elections to Guyana. Out of the shadows came Chetty Jagan. Running on the PPP ticket, Jagan won the 1992 presidential election. Jagan was sworn in as president later that year, and as a result, Janet Jagan became the First Lady of Guyana. In spite of his Marxist-Leninist values, Chetty Jagan saw that the free market policies enacted during the Burnham regime had led to substantial economic growth. In accordance with this, Jagan did not remove these policies, with Janet later explaining, quote, We faced the realities and decided our job was to create a national state based on democracy and the improvement of people's lives. On February 15, 1997, Chetty Jagan suffered a massive heart attack at his home in Georgetown. He was airlifted to the United States and underwent heart surgery in Washington, D.C., but it was too little, too late. Just under a month after his heart attack, Chetty Jagan died on March 6, 1997, at the age of 78. Prime Minister Sam Hines took office soon afterwards, and he appointed Janet Jagan as Prime Minister. In the 1999 presidential election, Hines decided not to run for re-election, believing himself to be too young and inexperienced for the job. Instead, he endorsed Janet Jagan, his mentor, in the presidential election. Jagan won the election against Desmond Hoyt, and was sworn in as president on December 19, 1997, becoming the first democratically elected female president in all of South America, as well as the first American-born woman or American-born Jew to become a leader of any nation. However, Jagan's tenure would be short and strenuous. 
Before the polls even closed on the night she was elected, Jagan already faced unsubstantiated accusations of voter fraud from the PNC. The PNC froze all cooperation with the executive branch of the Guyanese government, refusing to even recognize Jagan as the legitimate president of Guyana. Jagan spent two years fighting these accusations, unable to do a whole lot else, until she suffered a heart attack on July 1st, 1999. Jagan was brought to Akron, Ohio for treatment, but she was told a bypass was not necessary. Still, as a result of her failing health, Jagan thought she was unable to lead Guyana any longer. On August 11th, 1999, Janet Jagan resigned as president of Guyana, stating that, due to her health, she was, quote, no longer capable of vigorous, strong leadership. Despite her resignation, Jagan remained active within the PPP, continuing to promote democratic socialism and gender equality measures. In her retirement, she also began to write and publish children's books. However, her heart condition continued to worsen, and in February of 2009, she left Guyana for Brazil to receive medical treatment. Then, on March 28, 2009, Janet Jagan suffered an abdominal aneurysm and died in Belém, Brazil, at the age of 88. Even today, the People's Progressive Party, the political party founded by Janet and Chetty Jagan, remains the most popular party in Guyana, and it continues to spread a message of tolerance regardless of race or ethnicity. Their son, Chetty Joey Jagan Jr., is a prominent politician within the PPP to this day. And of course, since the United States has not yet had a female president or a Jewish president, Janet Jagan remains the only American member of both of these groups to serve as a head of state. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I really enjoyed learning about it myself. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.